up a throne for a manger, traded a crown for a cross, laid down your life for a stranger, and for all who are broken and lost. You came down from the heavens so we would know how deep, how high, how long and how wide, how far love goes. You went to the darkest of places, walked down the loneliest roads. You looked into lost, empty faces and told us we're phone not to sing so y'all don't get worried don't amen that either now been a good day in the lord's house and uh good times here at promised land we have a good crowd tonight thank you for your attendance here uh i pray uh for our endeavors i pray for what god has in store for us uh next sunday we will start our revival services uh as you see this information up here uh, if you want to write this down, that's good. If not, there's some pieces of paper in the back with their names and addresses on it. I want to ask you to do something for me. If you're praying for these men, if you would get their address, write it down. You can pick it up in the back on the way out. Uh, send them a letter in the morning. I know putting a letter in the mail is old-fashioned. If you don't do that, send them a text message, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Do it. Let them know you're praying. Let them know that there's people that is seeking God's throne on their behalf. We need to pray for them. And they need to know we're praying for them. They need to know they have support. They need to know that when they get here, they have liberty and freedom from the Holy Spirit of God. And I've told both of them, I've talked to both of them today, man, y'all get here, y'all open up and let's go and let's have church. I said, you're free to do whatever the Lord wants you to do. So you pray for these men. Uh... Next Sunday morning, we will start 
We'll go Sunday evening. We will have fellowship afterwards. So everybody come prepared for fellowship. And then there's a list in the bulletin. I think the Sunday school classes has all the meals prepared. Uh, so y'all uh, pay attention to this. I, I think there was a list in the bulletin, wasn't it? Let me make sure it was. Okay. And so y'all remember all of these things. Now, Saturday, we plan for a day of ministry outreach. Um, I know right now that a lot of our people are wore down. <laughs> Six weeks up here every Saturday. I laid in bed this morning with my body just wore down uh, of labor, and it's a good labor. I, I'm ready to go Saturday, but I, I got to thinking, maybe we need to hold off and let's let our people get recharged. I don't want to wear anybody out. But I want to ask you to do this. We will cancel it if y'all will go out this week and beat the bushes every single day. Invite anybody and everybody you can. I, there may still be invitations in the back. Invite a neighbor, invite a friend, invite a co-worker. I could not tell you how many visitors we had in this place last year, and they had one of those cards in their Bible and said, My co-worker gave me this. My neighbor gave me this. Those things work. Go invite somebody. Get them here. Tell them about the revival. Tell them about Jesus. Don't just invite them to church. Invite them to heaven too. Amen? Invite them to heaven too. Let's witness. Let's beat the bushes. Let's get the word out. And I know God's going to bless the efforts. Are you all ready for revival? Man, I'm excited. I am waiting in anticipation to see what the Lord has in store for us. You pray for these men. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Probably one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Chapter 4 was the worship of the Creator. Chapter 5 is the worship of the Redeemer. Chapter 4 begins the scene of the throne room. John allows us a view inside of the throne room, and we see, first off, the worship of the Creator. Uh, how we will worship Him for His creation. We will worship Him for His majesty. We will worship Him for all the things that He's done. And then, not only will we worship Him as Creator, but we will worship Him as Redeemer. Now, this is a song that the angels will not be allowed to take part in. This is a song reserved for us as God's people. This is a song that we will get into next week, beginning in verse 8 and through the end of the chapter. But I want to try to cover the first seven verses tonight. Revelation 5.1 says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open, to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth. And he came 
and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Their Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you and I praise you that as John caught a glimpse of the future, that when that day comes for somebody to step up to come reclaim this earth for you, when there was nobody found worthy, I'm glad there is one. And I'm glad that I can call Him Savior. And I'm glad that I can call Him Lord. And I'm glad I can call Him friend. Lord, thank You for Your Scripture. Thank You for Your promises. Give me the strength that I stand in need of to preach it the way You wrote it, the way You intended. And Lord, open our hearts to it. May You bless our services tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The very first verse said, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. The one on the throne is God the Father. God the Father has the book of the seven seals. There is a book that is the seven sealed book. This book in the Greek is translated the same word as scroll. So it wasn't necessarily a book like our Bibles are in form of right now, but it is a scroll, one that is rolled up. This roll, this scroll was rolled up and it was sealed seven times. Seven times this scroll was rolled up. I want you to hold your finger here and look in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. And I want us to catch a glimpse of this book. Ezekiel gives us a glimpse of this book. Uh, Daniel and Ezekiel was able to see a little bit uh, inside of this book, but were not allowed to release these things or tell the things that they saw written in this book. In Daniel chapter 12 and in verse 4, it says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Out of Ezekiel 2.10 it said, And there was written therein, Lamentation, mourning, and woe. So they had this scroll or this roll. They were allowed to see into the future. And most of the prophecy of Daniel and Ezekiel is prophecy of doom and gloom. It is prophecy of wrath. They did not even cover just a glimpse of what is ahead. But the angel came to them and proclaimed to them to roll it up and seal it and don't tell anybody what you see within this book. This book is sealed. It could be that this is the very book, could be that is held in the hands of God the Father on the throne. We know that when tribulation time comes, when the end is here, the wrath of God will be poured out. It will be a time like no other. It will be devastation. It will be tragedy. We don't know everything there is to come, but we know it's bad. And we know enough to know that we don't want to be here when it gets here. And I'm telling you, if you're lost tonight, you better get right with God and be saved. Because you don't want to face what happens when this seven-sealed scroll is opened up. And this seven-sealed scroll here in Revelation 5 and 1 said that it was in the hands of the Father. There, I believe today that it's still in the hands of the Father. 
This day has not yet happened. John is allowed to see into the future. He gets to see the rapture of the church. And I believe at the beginning of revelation is when this scene, or excuse me, at the beginning of tribulation is when this scene takes place. And he's allowed to see this scene. And notice what he said in verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And in verse 3, And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Now this seven-sealed book is very simply identified as the title deed of planet earth. Okay, because this here, when it's open, all hell would break loose on earth. Not just anybody can open this book. This is the title deed to the earth. They will have full control of everything that will take place on planet earth. This world will be changed when that book is open. Not anybody gets to open this book. The question is asked, who is worthy? He didn't ask the question, who is willing? Nebuchadnezzar would have opened the book. Adolf Hitler would have opened the book. There's a lot of men with a lot of kingdoms that had a lot of people and a lot of stuff that was willing to open the book. But they weren't worthy to open the book. There's a lot of people who think that they control planet earth, but there's only one worthy to hold the title deed of planet earth. Whoever can hold this book and open this book will have the authority to. Not anybody can open this book. And for that I say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that it's not who's willing, but who is worthy. Who is worthy to open the seven-sealed book? And notice what it said when the angel cried out. It said in verse 3 that no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. No one was found worthy. All of the kings of all the earth of all time, I believe, are lined up. And none of them are found worthy. All the philosophers and all the educators are in a line, great and small, bond and free. Everybody in this world is lined up and none of them are found worthy to open the book. No one is found worthy to open the book. The Apostle John is allowed into this scene. Now understand, as he comes back to the inspiration of God, he's writing what he saw. In this vision. And all he could remember from this vision is that when the seven seal book was presented, there was no one worthy. And I don't know what this seven seal book really contains, but John knew the importance of this seven seal book. And he knew that this was a very important book because when they couldn't find anybody worthy, he began to weep. He began to weep. He wept over the fact that no one was worthy to open the book. I believe that this seven-sealed book not only is the title deed to earth, but it is the control of earth. Simply when you put it in your hands means that you're in full control. I believe when tribulation time takes place, it will be mass chaos. And I believe John said somebody needs to be in control of this. 
Praise God, there's going to be somebody in control. It won't be by luck. It won't be by coincidence. I'm telling you, everything that's going to take place is drawn up and written by the hand of an almighty God. I promise you, God is going to be in control. Nowhere in heaven do you find a man crying until right here. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, all tears are are wiped away. All things are made new. But he said, I'm not weeping now. He said, I wept. When I was in heaven in the vision, in the throne room, I wept. In heaven, in this vision, John wept. Much. Thank you, Miss V. He wept much. This ripped his heart out. And nowhere else do we find that there's crying in heaven, but we find it here. Now, this is my belief. I believe God is allowing this scene to take place so that the emphasis can be in the hearts of the worshipers around the throne room. Because they're going to understand and see better than they ever have who's in control. And they're going to get a glimpse and an understanding like we've never had before. Child of God, may I tell you, we're going to see it like we've never seen it. We're going to hear it like we've never heard it. And I believe the Lord allowed this scene to take place. And there will be a time there that possibly we could be weeping. Because possibly it could be that God will let us have a look. Of all of the tragedy and all the things that we went through on this earth. And this man wept much because no one was worthy. But bless God, them tears won't be falling very long. Because <laughs> these tears will be wiped away and all things will become new. Oh, he wept, he wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read or to look. I mean, they weren't allowed to touch it. They weren't allowed to read it. They weren't allowed to get around it. It sat in the hand of an almighty God. Right now in heaven, God the Father sitting there with a seven-sealed scroll in His hand. And He's waiting for the day to say, Jesus, go get my people. Go get my children. You go get them. And I believe that when we are ushered back into heaven, this is when He will present that seven-sealed scroll to Jesus Christ. There he is weeping. No one is found worthy. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Weep not. Bless God, we're not going to have to weep in heaven. Bless God, there's going to be great hope there. I'm telling you, he said, dry them tears up. You're in glory land. I'm telling you, there is one worthy to open the book. There is one worthy to open the book. I want you to look in Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Psalm 2 and verse 1. A messianic psalm. A psalm of Jesus being the King. Having control of the earth. He said in Psalm 2, 1, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall He speak unto them, 
in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Boy, isn't that beautiful. I will declare the decree the Lord has sent unto me. Thou art my son, and this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. He's telling Jesus, God the Father, I will give you the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. This messianic psalm is saying that one day God the Father will give Jesus the right to rule everything on planet earth. He will give him the right over the heathen and the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. (laughs) We better be wise because there's a better king coming. There's a greater king coming. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. There is coming a day that he's going to allow him to cut loose, if you will, on planet earth. He said, you go get them all. You judge every single one of them. Every one of them that has claimed me as their Savior, you go get them and bring them home. And every one of them that has cursed me and cussed me and, and, and rejected me, you pour your wrath out on them. You can have every single one of them. You say, my goodness, what authority. My goodness, why does Jesus, why is He given this great authority and this great responsibility? Well, friend, He earned it. He earned it. I want you to look into Colossians chapter 1. He's worthy because of creation. He's worthy. No one was found worthy, but there was Jesus. You know why? Because of creation. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Why is He given this great authority? Because He is the Creator of the universe. Jesus, the Son of the living God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. God in the Hebrew is Elohim. Elohim is a plural word. In that, it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When creation was taking place on day one, Jesus was there. Day two, Jesus was there. Day three, Jesus was there. There's coming a day the seven-sealed book is going to be in the hand of the Father. And they're going to be looking who's worthy, who's worthy. And then there's going to be the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Creator of the universe. And the reason that He's worthy is because He has created everything. I'm telling you the reason that He's allowed to come destroy this because He made this. And the one who made this will destroy this. Man will not destroy this earth. Global warming is fooey. Who in the world do we think we are that think we got enough authority and we got enough power to affect the atmosphere and the world? Are we crazy? (laughs) There's one that's going to destroy it and it's the one who created it. 
And it's Jesus Christ. And we fight and we fuss. Oh, man is doing this and man's doing this. Let me tell you something. God's in control. He created it and He's going to burn it up. He's not going to flood it anymore. He's going to burn it up with fire. And He is going to wipe out planet Earth. Why? Because He created it. He can. If you build a home, you go out two years later, bulldoze it down. Will you eat it? Why'd you do that? Doesn't make sense. But if you built it, you have the right to tear it down. God built all this. He has a right to destroy it. He has a right to destroy it. I want you to look back in Revelation. Revelation, stay with me. Revelation 5. He is worthy because of creation. He is worthy because of conquest. Notice what he said in verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The first thing that he's worthy, the reason he's worthy, is because of the, the conquest. He is allowed to open this book because he is of the tribe of Judah. And because he is of the tribe of Judah, which is one of the twelve tribes of Israel, he is allowed to open this book. I want us to go back to the book of Genesis. If you're with me, say amen. Genesis chapter 49. And I know we're, we're flipping and we're turning, but that's good. We need to work our fingers every now and then. Genesis 49. And it goes back to Jacob with 12 sons. And he's given his blessing. He turns to his fourth-born son in Judah. And he begins here in verse 8. Said, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whip. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gatherings of the people be. He declared Jacob through the promises of God that he would allow his fourth-born son to be, be above all the other sons. There would be one tribe above all the other tribes, and it's the tribe of Judah. It's the only tribe that became its own nation. It's the only tribe when Israel uh, departed and when Israel divided as a nation. If you remember, all the tribes went. Ten tribes went to Israel. Two tribes stayed with Judah, Benjamin and Judah. They created the nation of Judah. This fourth-born son of Jacob is given this promise, you will be above all of my other sons. In the blessing that he's given, he is described as a lion. He is seen as this tribe that will rise up as a strong warrior likened unto a young lion. This is somebody that cannot be devoured by anybody. This is somebody that the enemy has no power on. Judah is seen as strength. Judah is seen as the lawgiver. Judah is seen as someone of victory. He said no one will tear Judah down until Shiloh come. The name Shiloh in the Hebrew means Jesus. Until Jesus comes. Until Jesus comes. Judah will have all authority. Judah will have this right to stand. And no one can tear Judah down until Shiloh comes. Friend, there's a reason that when John looked 
Upon Jesus, he's seen him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Because all of those years before, God prophesied through Jacob, said there's coming a king in the form of a lion. And I'm telling you, when Jesus came the first time, he came as a little baby. But next time he's coming, he's coming as a lion. He's coming to devour his enemies. I'm telling you, he was in a lowly manger. But bless God, next time he's coming in pomp and circumstance and royalty. There wasn't a lot who knew when Jesus came the first time, but the whole world is going to know when He comes the second time. Because He's coming as a lion. Nobody will have power over Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Very simply, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Why? Because God prophesied that He will come from that tribe. And so because He is of that tribe, Jesus has every right to open up that seven-sealed book. Not only did he see him as the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he seen him as the seed of David. Second Samuel chapter 7. Stay with me. Stay with me. Second Samuel chapter 7. Oh, here we go. Samuel fell out. It's in yours. Well, it's here somewhere. There he is. 2 Samuel 7. All right. 2 Samuel 7 and verse 12. God has given His promise to King David. Remember, God did not want Israel to have a king. But they wanted to be like every other nation. And so He said, I'll give you a king. They wanted King Saul. King Saul was not God's king. It's not through the seed of King Saul would this man come. It would be through the seed of King David. Okay? Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 and in verse 12. And when the days, when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he shall be my son. If he committeth iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom, listen now, shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever three times. Forever, according to all of these words and according to all of this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David three times. He said, when you're dead and gone, you listen to me. This kingdom that you started here will last forever. Here we are, 2,700 years later, whatever it is, 2,700 years later, the throne of Israel is really not non-existent. They have a prime minister They have a president, but they don't have a king. The throne is not established. Israel was not even a nation for 1,900 years until 1946. In 1946, they reestablished a nation, but has yet to reestablish the throne. Why have they not yet reestablished the throne? Because there's not anybody on this earth with the right to rule upon the throne of Israel. 
Not one person is allowed. If you look at that genealogy in Matthew and Luke, that boring stuff that we skip over, you know, that genealogy proves that the rightful heir to the throne of Israel is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And the reason that no one is ruling upon the throne of David is simply because that seat is in heaven right now. And the very rise to the throne of Israel belongs to Jesus Christ. And when He sees Him as the one to open that scroll, He sees Him as the seed of David. You say, why is He allowed to touch that scroll? Because He will have every right because of the promise of God and the promise He made to King David way back yonder. He said, I will establish that kingdom forever and ever and ever. And right now, there's not a throne. And God's not a liar. So there's somebody coming to reestablish that throne. Brother Hayden, I just believe that God is true and His Word is true. And I just believe that even though it's not right now, it's coming. Because the one who's coming is coming. And He's got every right to rule and reign. And bless God, when He grabs a title deed, (laughs) it's not because by luck or by chance or by coincidence. It's because He's worthy. Because He's worthy. Because He's worthy. I'm telling you, when Jesus comes back, He'll have every right to come back and claim this earth as His own. Look back in Revelation. I'm getting close. As the old redneck said, it's getting gooder and gooder and gooder. Man, I like this. He's worthy because of creation. He's worthy because of conquest. But bless God, He's worthy because of Calvary. Notice what He said in verse 6. And beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and in the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders. It was almost like He didn't see Him. It was almost like He just appeared. I don't know. He's seen the throne, he's seen the rainbow, he's seen the elders, he's seen everything about the throne. And for a moment there, he didn't see Jesus. I think God is just doing this to get shouting time started here. This is me. There's weeping and there's wailing in heaven, I don't know. And then boom, there he stands. I can't wait to see Grandma there. I can't wait to see family there. But that's not the one I'm going to be ready to see. When I get there, I'm going to be looking. Where is he? Where is he? And behold, he's standing there as a lamb that had been slain. He is standing there as a crucified lamb. In the Greek, the lamb means a little lamb. A lowly lamb. The first description is this might and power And all of this prestige, the line of the tribe of Judah, the the seed of David, oh, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's all of that. But he's worthy because of Calvary. He looked down there, and there was that lamb slain as it had been slain. The marks of the cross is still on the glorified Christ. And we fix and start shouting at this point. And we fix and start singing to the point that planet, planet Earth hears us. Planet Earth is fixing to hear us shouting and praising. You say, well, I don't like shouting. Well, you're not going to like heaven. Because <laughs> we're going to shout. And you're going to shout. And we're going to start shouting because he's going to bear the marks of Calvary. Why is that? So we can be reminded of the penalty He paid for us. 
And for all of eternity, not only will we be worshiping the Creator of the universe, but we will be worshiping the Redeemer. As a lamb, as it had been slain before the foundation of the earth. Why lamb, preacher? Because that's what God asked for was a lamb. All of those years, millions and billions of animals was given to satisfy the wrath of God. But the blood of those animals could not do what we needed for sin. And so Jesus submitted to the plan of God. And he said, Father, I'll go. He left the glory and riches of heaven to become poor so that we might become rich through him. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Who for the joy? Who who for the joy? He didn't do it grudgingly. He did it with joy. He did it with great drive and determination. And it it brought great pleasure to his soul. To die for us. He submitted to the plan of God. Never, ever did he commit sin. Never, ever. I'm telling you, when they look for a lamb, they look for a pure lamb. When God needed a lamb, he needed a pure lamb. I'm telling you, Muhammad wasn't good enough. Baal wasn't good enough. Only Jesus is good enough. He's worthy. He's worthy because he fulfilled every jot and tittle of the Word of God. And oh, bless God, on that day as Jesus was dying upon that cross, darkness fell upon that cross. Darkness fell. Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God is almost like turned his back on his son. Oh, I've heard people, man, I've had more people mad at me for saying that. But friend, it's true and it's real. Jesus cried, why? Why are you turning your back on me, Father? Never in history of time. There is one constant forever for all of eternity. God the Father and God the Son was always together except at Golgotha. Three hours of separation. Why? So that you'll never have to be separated from God the Father again. He took hell on Calvary for you. Jesus died. And bless God, the soldiers didn't kill him. He laid down his life freely. No man take it from him. I'll lay it down freely. He said, it is finished. Yielded up the ghost. (laughs) The veil in the temple was rent. Man, that priest, he didn't know that was his last day at work. (laughs) He didn't know his job wasn't needed anymore. And there he was going in, obeying the law of God. And there he went to sprinkle that blood. God the Father said, no, I don't need them lambs anymore because the Lamb of God has been slain before the foundation of the world. Isaiah 53 said, when he looked down on the cross, I am satisfied. I am satisfied. You know why he gets to open this book? Because he died for you and he died for me. He provided salvation for you and me. Man, I'm telling you, that will put you on shouting ground. In verse 7, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Man, I could preach another hour here. Because he's fixing to start shouting. We're fixing to start shouting. He's fixing to grab this book. And we're fixing to cut loose. Man, it's going to be shouting time. It's going to be shouting time. But child of God, it's shouting time right now. 
Let's praise Him all the way to the day He calls us home. Don't let the world turn your shout off. Don't let the world steal your praise. The devil will do anything and everything to depress you and discourage you. Understand there is one worthy to open the book. There is one worthy to stand as our Redeemer. There is one worthy to save souls. I know people are dying all around us. I know tragedy is all around us. But there's one worthy. Child of God, may I remind you, there's one worthy. You can smile tonight because there's one worthy. You can shout tonight because there's one worthy. When I was unworthy, He was worthy. When I was unlovable, He loved me. I'm telling you, He's worthy. Child of God, we can shout wing praise right there all night long because He's worthy. Simple, it's easy. He's worthy. What are we depressed about? <laughs> what, what are we so low about? We got victory in Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, don't you let that devil steal your joy. As we get to this revival time, I'm going to open it up again. These altars are open. I'm going to ask you, get on your face. Let's pray day and night for this revival. Pray for these preachers. If you're here tonight and you're listening to this and you're lost, you're lost, you've never been saved, right now is the time to be saved. If you died right now, where would you go? If this roof fell in on us, where would you go? If lightning struck and we were all gone, where would you go? If it's hell, you run down here and let me tell you how to be saved. If you have a decision to make, let's do it. Let's stand.